Branding Badass, and welcome to Season 2 of Branding Matters. My guest today is Amy Johnson, the Chief Marketing Officer of Zillow, the world's largest real estate platform that offers customers an on-demand experience for selling, buying, renting, and financing their homes. As CMO of Zillow, Amy is responsible for driving brand experiences and growing national brand awareness. Prior to joining Zillow in 2018, Amy served as Senior VP of Marketing Programs and Digital Innovation at Starbucks. And before that, she held leadership roles at both Campbell's Soup Company and Sally May. I invited Amy to be a guest on my show today to discuss how she helped transform the Zillow brand. I wanted to learn what the secret to their huge success is, and I was curious to get her point of view on how technology is changing the way people are buying homes. Amy, welcome to Branding Matters. Thanks so much for having me. It's so great having you here. So excited to hear about Zillow and everything that you guys are doing. So before we get into that, though, I want to learn a little bit about you. I read somewhere that when you were a little kid, you used to watch TV, but you only watched the TV commercials. That used to used to love doing that. So I'm curious to know why that is. And do you still do that today? Well, thinking back, I think I'd love the snippets of color and the singing and the sounds and put yourself back in the 70s, 80s. So some of the ones that come to mind are like Tootsie Pop, you know, how many licks does it take to get to the center? Of course, you're eating one, watching it going, I don't know, let me count. You get to like 250. You're like, it's not three. Alka-Seltzer, there was a guy that had to keep eating meatballs. And you're like, oh my God, I just remember my mom forcing me to eat food. And I was like, I can relate to that. My stomach doesn't feel good. Or like, I don't know, Fred Flintstone cereal. Who doesn't like pink milk? It was almost like all the different things that I would watch. You can like, if you relate to them, the Ginsu knife. Oh my God, it cuts a, cuts a can and it cuts meat. Like, it's just... I don't know. I just found it all super interesting. Did you used to watch those KTEL record ads when you were younger? Were yeah. they KTEL? Remember? Yeah. I they- have those albums, thank you very much. Yeah, right? Or I think <laughs> about those infomercials way back when it was like, but wait, hold on. There's just more. Wait. There's yeah. more. Was it a Phoebe? The Phoebe was the hair vacuum cleaner. Yeah, okay. yeah, that <laughs> totally. would cut your hair a second. I, know. I, I watch more of those today, though. Now, I think the world is almost, I think YouTube and TikTok are just big infomercials. Oh, I, yeah. I'm finding myself watching the videos on Amazon and then TikTok and YouTube to try to figure out. And it feels like a back to infomercial again. Interesting. Just 1995. Here's what it does. And so, slinky, slinky. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> go on and on. Um, and so, do you still watch it? Like, I don't know about you, but I don't watch nearly as much TV as I did because now we're online and my kids don't even watch TV. All they do is watch YouTube. What about your kids? Yeah, no, they watch YouTube. They watch basically streaming. So when you watch those ads or when you've seen ads, do you take some of it and use it in what you're doing today? I mean, do you have a men- make a mental note of it or do you do actual notes and think, oh, I like that, the way they executed that? And do you think of it in a work way or is it just more entertainment? You just enjoy them? I think both. I'm super intellectually curious. I just find them fun. Like sometimes I look at it and go like, what the heck problem are they trying to solve? What are they trying to communicate? Yeah. Other times I'll, I'll be so engaged, like the force, you know, with the, the Darth Vader kid that gets surprised by the VW car when it starts because he thinks he started it. I investigated that and Deutsch did that and the kid was actually surprised. And so for that, like, I remember, oh, when we're doing something like that, where the actor or actress doesn't know, maybe we should set it up that way. Like, so I, yeah. I guess both from an intellectual curiosity and also from a work perspective. What's your background? Where did you go to university or college, as they say in the U.S.? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went to undergrad at Virginia Tech and I specialized in marketing. And then I got an MBA at George Washington University. Oh, wow. Okay. So where are you right now? Where do you live? I am in the 
rainy, sunny, weather always changing city of Seattle, Washington. I love mm-hmm. Seattle. It's not that far from Canada. I'm in Calgary. So just, you know, there's oh, like... Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And then right there. Okay, so you've been at Zillow since 2018. And speaking of Seattle, before that, you were at Starbucks. So I'm assuming yes. you were at Starbucks in Seattle, right? How long yes. were you at Starbucks? 14 years. And what did you do there? Uh, let's see. When I was last there, I was SVP of Digital Innovation. Uh, ran the loyalty program, launched mobile order and pay, launched a personalization platform, ran analytics for them, did a lot of that stuff my last six years. Before that, I ran beverage. I did a lot of product creation. Oh, wow. 14 years. Okay. And now you've been at Zillow since 2018. So those are two pretty huge brands, would you say? Yes. <laughs> so what, do you think there's any similarities between the two? And if there are, what would you say they are? Outside of the brand awareness that you just talked about, what I have been struck by is both companies were founded by a group of really core individuals that felt passion for a thing they were launching, right? That didn't exist in the marketplace. So you have Howard Schultz, Howard Behar, Orange Smith, and a couple others that wanted to bring the romance of the Italian coffee bar to the United States, you know, the flavor of a latte and the third place to sit and just chat. And they also wanted to offer healthcare and treat their employees as if they're partners by giving them ways to invest in the company. And then Rich and Lloyd and Amy and, and a couple others came together for Zillow to create a data marketplace where everybody could see information about any house for sale. Because believe it or not, way back when you couldn't do that. The data was fragmented all over the place. And in addition to data, they also wanted to create a workplace where employees could come together and be their best selves every day. So it's kind of actually quite a bit of similarities in how the, the companies came to be. Um, and today they're both, you know, growth companies. They're both trying to create customer experiences. You know, their their brand is not just the brand, right? It's it's all the touch points that the customer has with the company. So they both right. see themselves as customer centric and, and driving love through the experiences they have. And so going from Starbucks to Zillow, what has been the biggest change, would you say? The biggest difference? Biggest difference has been literally there's retail stores and the omni-channel of retail. Very different than the interconnected communications of tech with some physical spaces. And retail is like, you're on right now. It's holiday. Like mocha goes missing. You got to go find the mocha, right? Like you can't, it's a, you're consumed today and you need to be back tomorrow. Like there's, there's, a, there's an energy in that space. And in the tech, the energy is around what's the feature? What's the way we're going to satisfy the customer? How are we going to bring them in and have conversations with them? So it's a little different energy. The physical space, the baristas that are inter- intersecting with the customer every day was a little different than the engineers that are creating experiences behind their computer, launching things for the customer. Um, The energy though of growth and, and getting something out there for the customer and I don't know, like giving them something they don't already have in the marketplace, that energy is still what exists in both places. Right. And they're both pretty, like you said, they're very strong brands and people can have a strong connection with them, right? With yes, they can interact every day. You can interact with both businesses. You can have a <laughs> coffee. You can sit in a yeah. coffee shop or you can go on Zillow. You could snoop on your next door neighbor's house, what it's worth. <laughs> dream of the next house you want to have. You know, you can, you can interact every day with both. Can you give a little background story to the founders and tell us about Zillow and who they are and what they do and what makes them, I guess, in a way, a disruptive, would you call it a disruptive brand? I would 100% because of what they did and brought to real estate. So at heart, it feels as if they're marketplace creators. So Rich Barton and Lloyd Frank were both two Microsoft employees and went on to start Expedia. Their goal was to bring power to the people by providing a way for travelers to book their own trips and access information that was not available to the public. 
like. So again, go way back in the time machine. Remember, you had to call a travel agent, do a thing. It forced the entire industry to go digital. It forced the entire digital industry yeah. to be transparent. Like it was, it was pretty groundbreaking when they did that. And so after their time at Expedia ended, it was interesting. They both were looking for their next business venture and also happened to be looking for a house to buy. And so when they're shopping for homes, they're like totally frustrated by the home buying process because none of the information was at your fingertips. And so they created Zillow. They realized they could take this power of the people thing that they did with Marketplace. They could do it in the real estate market. And so let's give information to customers. And let's not just give information to customers. Because also at the time, there was no way you could value your own house. They didn't even know like that house across the street that they may want to buy that might be for sale. How much should they be offering? So I think what's been interesting is now that they we've kind of created this market, we have this estimate that exists that helps you out. We've actually shifted the mission, which originally was power to people create the marketplace. Now it's unlock life's next chapter. Because it's when you're looking to move, can you unlock, that? Sure. We want to help customers unlock their life's next chapter. Okay. So if you think about every address you've had is an experience you've had and you've moved for a reason generally people don't just like up and move because they want to move there's like a birth a death a divorce a marriage you graduate school what have you right as part of that is your house your new home it's your identity it's who you are at that moment in time and so our mission in not just giving you here's the marketplace we also want to actively help you realize your best self and get you into that house that you see is you and where you want to be. I love that. I love that you said about um, it being experiential because that's a big part of branding, right? It's more than just buying a house. It's the experience of mm-hmm. buying a house. And our role in that is helping people continue to move forward. Like just keep moving forward. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. We're going to help you with that. It is hard, right? Like you, you have to search for the house. And then once you search and find your house, not just any house, you're all of a sudden desperately dating and you're not sure what to do. There's so much emotion. You don't know what oh, to do. Totally. When the data comes in from left field. You're like, I don't know what I can afford. And is this really the right place? And you start using your data brain to start justifying your heart. And it gets emotional. Like 30% of people cry at some point during the during the moving process. Yeah. So yeah, so it's it's how can we help make that less traumatic, less uncertain. People with a lot of confidence come into the moving process and become very quickly not confident in themselves or what they know or what have you. So we want to help our customers move forward, help them have the confidence, help them have the tools and the understanding to get through it to the other side. Can you share a few things that you do to do that, to help them do that? Sure. Or some things sure. That so- we do a lot of stuff with content. So we have some economists that are helping through what you need to do to buy, your, buy a house, sell a house. What does an up market look like? What does a down market look like? So we have a lot of content. We also have different product features that we've been launching from on-demand tours. So you can get into a house to see it. You have 3D tours, so you can see which was big in COVID, right? You want to see it on your couch. You don't want to go into people's houses. We've been streamlining some of the back-of-house services, like closing services, because they should not be as difficult as they are. So those are just some of the things that we have that we've been working on. Uh, but there's over 200 different steps in the moving process. Yeah. So it is trying to work with our customers and understanding what the customers need next and why Zillow should be the one solving that for them. Because to your point on brand, there's 200 plus different steps. There's probably one of those steps where customers wouldn't go first to Zillow helping them, but there are a lot where Zillow, the brand in their mind should go next. And those are the intersections, the biggest pain points for the customer with the biggest reason, the biggest like kind of allowance by customers 
for the brand to then be solving those problems for them. Let's say I was looking to buy a house. Would you work with mm-hmm. me or would do you work with real estate agents and brokers or do you work with both? Well, we made a pivot. I want to say around the same time we changed the mission back in 2018-19, where the people that we're servicing, the consumer, those are our customers, right? Everybody, everybody in the system should be maniacally focused on getting a human into the home that's right for them. Be it an agent, be it Zillow, be it the mortgage lender, whomever, the customer, the one person we're serving, that's the customer. Now we have a ton of partnerships, right? We partner with agents, we partner with brokerages, we partner with mortgage houses, et cetera. And those are partnerships we have. So while we are all in service to each other, I believe that we come from you know, my background at Starbucks, you know, not one thing actually lets a customer be happy. Multiple things does. The maniacal focus on the customer themselves and servicing them helps then the whole model start seeing where there's opportunity for fixing things, making things smoother. So then they're all your partners are your customers as well. So like for brokers and real estate agents, for example. Yes, 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 yes. Indirectly, yes. but you know what I mean, yes. right? Yes, yes, hundred percent. Okay, cool. You mentioned earlier about the Zestimate. Did I pronounce it right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So, and the Zestimate is how you Zillow has become a household name. Can you share what the Zestimate is and how it came about? Sure. So back in the time machine again, when Zillow launched in about 2006, not only did it have the information they could get on the houses, they also launched this estimate. In the first three days, over a million customers came and it crashed the site on the first day because oh. it was it was the first time there was ever really property valuation available to people that didn't have access to the specific MLS got to see. So it was a really interesting and needed feature that we had. So specifically, what is it? So Zestimate's the home valuation model that gives an estimate of the home's market value. It's an estimate. It's Zillow's estimate. Zestimate. Yeah, so yeah. For those of us that want to look up estimate in the dictionary, yeah. it's never... It's not written in stone. Right. We've got it's that. Not, it's not the accurate. It's not the accurate. It's the estimate. Yeah. But yeah. what's interesting about that is we do use a lot of information to create it. So we have public information, MLS information, user submitted data, and we have a formula that takes into account all the different home facts from, you know, are you, are you near a major highway? Are you near an electrical pole? Are you, do you have a view? Those kind of things all go in. And the nationwide error rate, which is super small for his estimate for on-market homes, so homes that need to sell, is only 1.9%. I don't know of too many estimates that are that close to like the actual, the actual price. The, yes. The, the, this actual. For off-market homes, the error rate's about 6.9%. And a lot of that is because when you're house is off market. You're not paying attention to stuff. You're not necessarily fixing things. Oh, wait, I redid my house. So now it's four bedrooms instead of three bedrooms. Or wait, no, they didn't put, I had a view in there, but I have a 180 degree view. So the better the data on the house, clearly the better the estimate is. Right. We talk about branding. Branding is about differentiating yourself, right? So what do you do differently than your competitors that has made you so successful? Again, there's 200 different places within this whole moving process. There are steps for getting a mortgage. There's steps for doing a refi. There's steps for looking for a home. There's steps for getting a home faster than anybody else. There's steps to finding an agent. There's steps so anywhere there's more than one company, which there is in all those places, you're competing for share voice. And so where Zillow comes in, you know, and I truly believe this, I believed before I joined, I believe it now, is we're really a place you can come and dream. Like Mm. you could dream about your best self. You could dream about the new job you're going to take and the house then you're going to be in that's across the United States. You could dream. And the place we come into 
and from and differentiate is, yes, you can dream with us and we're not going to judge you. And you could do it without telling anyone if you want to, and you could have fun doing it. And how do we allow you to keep that dream alive, even when it starts getting hard, right? How can we just give you that prequal on that loan without having any strings attached? Just see if you can get a prequal. I want you to keep dreaming. If you want to do a remodel, you can come online and you can look and see how, if you improve things, that could improve or not your house value, value etc. Yeah. yeah. So it's about, it's coming from the positive place. It's coming from the dream space, coming from the you can do it space, where I would say, even if you were today and you started looking at all the different ads of mortgage companies or real estate companies or other places, it's about the singular thing, right? It's about getting the mortgage or else or being scared. Or if you don't choose the right thing, then holy smokes, it's, you're not going to buy another house in 10 years. You're going to be so you run for the hills and then you get scared. We're really trying to come at this way more optimistically. And not from a Pollyanna. I mean, it's real. Like people say it's super hard and change is hard, but like over 85% of people we surveyed came out the other end and they were like, oh God, it was so worth it. Like it was so worth it. I just wish it wasn't that hard. And so we don't have to go to the depths of making you feel like you don't know what's going on to come out the other end. We really want to come in there from a, let's keep the dream alive, folks. I love that because you know what? I mentioned it earlier about emotional people crying. I mean, moving, they say, you know, one of the top stressors in your life is moving. And yeah. so what I hear from you saying all that is you help take some of that stress away. And we have enough stress with everything else going on in our life. So you know what? Yeah. We're going to make it easier for you and less stressful for you versus like you were saying about other options that are just factual and data and here's all this information. But but that doesn't help. I want someone to hold my hand and take me mm-hmm. and show me, right? Mm-hmm. So I love that. So I can definitely see why that's helped you guys become successful. Zillow has eight core values. And there was one there that really caught my eye. And that was customers are our North star. So can you share those core values and then maybe elaborate a bit about the customers are our North Star one? The values have been around for, I believe, since the inception of the company. I'd have to go back and double check on that. But there are things like think big, move fast, and DG's a team sport, right? We all, we all work together. So the things such as that. And one of the ones that we introduced was customers are our North Star. So we had lots of things on how we interact and how we bring innovation to life and how we come to work as our best selves. And then we needed one that's a customer. We're customer-centric. We want to focus on the customers I mentioned earlier. So that's customers in our star. And if you really want to be customer-obsessed, you have to get into understanding who the customer is. You have to understand the circumstances in order to best meet their needs. In order to get the innovation that's really game-changing, you have to be walking in their shoes and understand what's the pain point, how you solve the pain point. Will they actually use the solution? Can they afford it? Do they find joy in it? And it's not just like one or two people have to understand that, right? The engineer that's sitting at their desk coding has to understand it. The HR person that is hiring people into the company to hire the people that want to work that way, right? The marketing folks need to understand from where the customer is coming in order for the messaging and communications to work, right? So that is a customer's at a North Star and really understanding the customer in a way that we can act in service to them is, is really critically important. Hugely important. I mean, again, we go back to branding. I mean, that's what it's all about is tapping into what your customer's problems are and solving them. And, you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier, which I thought was great, is you asked your customers what they want. You asked about the moving process. You asked them questions and then they told you what they needed and then you gave them that right? Mm -hmm. Which is exactly what it's all about. There's so many companies out there that they don't 
know what their customers want. They tell their customers what they want or what they need, but they actually don't give them what they're wanting. So I love that you say that and that your customer is your North Star, because I think that just shows to have a strong brand, you really have to listen to your customers and to be able to connect with them, you have to solve their problem, right? Yeah, and operationalizing that, I think is important. Like coming from CPG and retail, you know, CPG, you can go walk in the grocery store and you can see your product on the shelf. You can turn it around. You can go into customers' homes, see how they're using it. With retail, you can sit at a retail store and listen by the point of sale to how customers are interacting. When it's more of a tech company and you're more hands-on, you do have to figure out how do you then operationalize, how do you understand the customer again, getting to that engineer, getting the HR representative, getting to the um, marketer, you know, how do you operationalize? something like that when the customer you're servicing is really interacting with you mostly online. So that's been interesting to figure out how to do that. Oh, that's great. We have a lot of my, a lot of my listeners are small business owners and entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. And so as they're listening to all this and, you know, you have obviously big budgets and Starbucks had big budgets. What advice would you give for someone who, let's say, doesn't have big budgets as far as when it comes to their branding and making sure that their customer is, you know, again, their North Star? Because it really all comes back to the customer. When it comes to branding, it's really about your customers and your audience. Mm-hmm. So do you have any sort of insight or advice that you would tell someone who might be listening? I think the first thing, I mean, we used to do this is in any meeting you're having, it could be you and two other people, it doesn't really matter, um, have like a quote unquote or a real open seat at the table for your customer and have an open seat for your employee. Filter everything you're saying with like, does the customer really care what you're saying or is like you're the peanut teacher and will the employee have fun doing what you're asking them to do? Like you got to be there for both, right? And then I would say you have to be really... You have to be really clear on what your brand is. Like if you can't articulate your brand quickly, no one's going to be able to understand what you stand for. So what is it you're going to stand for? And you can use emotional words. It's okay. You can use colorful words. You could use data words. You can remember everybody's whole brain that's interacting with you, right? They're going to be right and left brain. They're going to be introverted and extroverted. They're going to like structure and they're going to like ambiguity. There's all kinds of people out there. So you need to understand what your brand stands for. And then I would think about, well, if my brand stands for these things, if this is what I am going to be promising my customer, I promise I will this in what way, in this way, then what are all the touch points you can have with your customer? And is your brand promising that in a repeatable way? And then most importantly, most importantly, most importantly, <laughs> don't promise something you cannot deliver on. Deliver oh on God. the promise. Don't, don't promise your future state. You could promise the dream of your future state, and then you can stair-step your customers to that promise. Just don't promise what you can't deliver. So if you if you set your promise up, if you understand how you versus anyone else can deliver on that promise, if you understand and know why your customer thinks that promise is valuable to them, and your employees are happy about delivering that promise to your customer and know why you're delivering it, you can do that on any budget. You don't need tons of money to do that. That's just about you being certain and understanding what you have at your at your disposal. And then I would say past that, if you're looking to stretch your resources, then it's like, okay, who do you have that in common with? What are some partnerships you may be able to create? Tap into all your friends and your friends' friends and all that kind of stuff. Because if you're starting to be scrappy, so you did that with Tazo Tea. It was a very small tea company out of Portland, which was amazing. And you tap into tea lovers. We were in a coffee company, but 
people like tea. Just happen to people that love you. And why are you different? And talk to them. Don't talk to people that aren't who you're trying to solve for. Figure out the partnerships that want to know, you know, if you're scrappy, figure out other people that maybe need you as part of their service. Like there's, there's so many things you could do to try to get scrappy and extend yourself. That's But you have to be, you have to, you have to know who you are. If you don't know what your brand is, you don't know how you differentiate your promise, then that you're kind of DOA. That's great advice. I love that. So with that said, Amy, what is the Zillow brand? How would you describe that? (laughs) You knew that was coming. Well, 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 right, 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 right. Now here's my elevator pitch around the 94 elevator. Well, as I mentioned, so the new mission is unlocking life's next chapter. And because we know that getting into a home, it's more than just a physical dwelling, right? It's not just the house. It's like who you are, it's your identity, those kind of things. And that our homes, while they're identities and you're moving from one to the next, it's part of growth and evolution. So Zillow, what we want to be is we want to be the most trusted place to imagine, play, and dream about what's next without judgment. Yeah, back to what you were saying about the dreaming part. Mm-hmm. Start with dreaming. And now we're helping customers feel inspired and supporting them right out the gate. We want to help the customers move forward to help them get unstuck and help them feel confident that they could do this. Because they could do this. They could yeah. do this. It's just... Yeah. It's just Shouldn't be as hard as it is. That's great. I love it. You know, it's funny. I, you know, you talk about emotional. So when people move, I moved, I was married. And then when I, my husband and I got divorced, I moved and I bought a new house, you know, so all those things you said, and it was stressful and everything. But I tell you, I describe it as my happy place, mm-hmm. right? That's how I describe my new home for many reasons, not just because it's the four walls, but it's everything it stands for. And it's my new home and it's my happy place. So it's totally an emotional experience. I'm glad that that happened. It's funny because before we were really getting into this whole dreaming thing and, you know, there were people in the room we were talking to and they had spouses that passed and they had divorces and they've lost children and like sad things because sad things happen in your house too, right? Yeah. And so we definitely don't want to come in with this Pollyanna dream big, right? Because that that's tone deaf. It could be tone deaf. But the thing we heard over and over and over again, no matter what the happiness was, or the tragedy was, or the difference was, or whatever happened was, is what you just said, right? The house is the place that's going to anchor you. The hope of the house is the thing that keeps you centered. It's your identity. It's the thing that you can look forward to coming home to or the dream of where you want to be. Regardless of the instance, the future still looks bright understanding what the promise of home could be. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure everybody has stories of people. I mean, I was thinking of to my mom when my father died. There's another one. He died. She had to sell her house of 36 years, 30 whatever years and move, right? It was so emotional. But then her new place is her happy place, you know, like mm-hmm. now, but you have, you know, you have to go through that journey. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. quite a journey. And and I love what you guys are doing. I love your brand and what you stand for. And kudos to you for being a big part of that and helping them achieve that. Thanks. So if people want to learn more about you and about Zillow, are you, you said you're on, are you on social media as well? I mean, what would be the best way for people? That's to- funny. Now I feel cliche after we just, just get me on social. Um, yeah. I was, <laughs> I, you know what? I had a guess. I had a guess that when I asked him about that, you know what his question was? Just tell him to Google me. <laughs> so you know, funny. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn's probably the best place okay. uh, to reach out to me. And just Amy Johnson, A-I-M-E. Yeah, A-I-M-E. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you and so much. And it's Golden. Much. Golden. It's Amy Johnson and then in parentheses Golden because that was my maiden name. I just switched it coming out here to Seattle. So oh, Okay. So Amy Johnson Golden. Golden, yep. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much. I really well, appreciate for having all your me. time. It's, look how fast it goes by. Eh? So nice to meet you virtually. And thank you again. And we'll you have to well. stay connected now on LinkedIn. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Okay. Sounds great. We'll talk to you soon.
Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe learned a few things to help you with your branding. But most of all, I hope you had some fun. This show is a work in progress, so please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you want to learn more about me and what I do to help my clients with their branding, feel free to reach out to me on any of the social channels under, you guessed it, Branding Badass. Branding Matters was produced, edited, and hosted by Jolie Goodson. Also me. So thanks again, and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.